ESPN 690 and Action Sports Shacks presents Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau. We're going to have to show a little more patience than the year two pom-pom people. Casey Kurtz. Yo! Well, what are we doing, bro? Come on! And Aaron Schachter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two showing their love, really celebrating their relationship. This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio. ESPN 690. What's happening on a Thursday here in Jacksonville, everybody? Closer and closer to the Jags game week. Going to L.A. to take on the Chargers. I'd rather go to San Diego, by the way. It's a better stop in my estimation. But they'll be taking on the Chargers on Sunday on CBS 47 at 4.05. And the Jags getting uh, closer, obviously, to week three of the NFL season. Brent Martineau here at String Sports Brewery in anticipation of Jaguars All Access in the Springfield area. That's tonight, 7 o'clock on CBS 47, usually on Fox 30, but we've got some baseball tonight, so it'll be on CBS 47. And Sean Jenkins will join Josh Allen on the show tonight. So stop on by, have a drink, have some food, say hello, be a part of the crowd. After a Jags win, hopefully we'll have a nice little crowd here tonight. Aaron Schachter, Casey Kurtz in the Action Sports Shack studios yeah. as well. And what's up, fellas? How yeah. are we doing? Hopefully uh, you, you slept well last night. No, uh, it was quite, quite the opposite, actually, if you're curious. Uh, I was texting you around 1230 last night when I was done you working. You were. And yeah, then, that's uh, weird for you. I went, off, <laughs> I went off to bed, and then I was laying in the bed, and then I was trying to go off to sleep. You know that thing where you're, like, daydreaming while you're trying to sleep? You're not asleep yet, but you're kind of half-dreaming. And then I heard, uh, yeah, her, I, I heard her again. She was right next to me crying. <laughs> I, I get up to take her back to her room, and this time, as I'm taking her back to the room, I hear sniffling coming from the other room, too. Now, my son is up. He's had a bad dream. It was messy. And I am I mean, moody. So how? <laughs> Good thing you don't have, like, six kids. Right? Uh, it feels like I do, though. <laughs> Casey, uh, you probably don't want to have kids after all these conversations. Even before all have. these conversations. Yeah, you know, just uh, t- taking notes. Uh, maybe Amanda's taking notes as well as she listens yeah. at home. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like an eventful <laughs> evening for you, Shatter. Can't trust them. The chemicals change those ladies. They always want them. <laughs> they always want them. They always want them. They'll tell you. They always want them. At the beginning, they're like, no, I want to have fun. I want to live a fun life. You're like, great, someone to do adventures with. And three months later, it's like, when's the baby? They always want them. Always want them. <laughs> That's a good. Learn the lesson. Uh, we got uh, Judge Aaron Judge watch continues here. The President's Cup underway, so I get to watch a little golf today. Nice. I actually have a TV to watch from. Looks like uh, the Jets are on Casey. behind you, Aaron. There's a little replay. You I can see keep your a little bald head of Saleh in the video. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, what you, and by the way, we'll have Jordan DeLugo on today. Uh, Patrick Young's going to join us as well and, and share his inspirational story and what he's working on. I think uh, a lot of folks know uh, that he has suffered a, a bad car accident a couple months ago, and we'll catch up with Patrick Young, former Providence basketball star and Florida Gator, uh, who uh, so many people love and respect uh, on the basketball court and off it. So we'll have those uh, discussions coming up. How, how do you like Robert Sala? You, you know, I thought you'd talk more Jets on this show. And you really don't. Like, we don't check in on the Jets. Is that just because Zach Wilson's not playing? I would love to talk more Jets on the show. I just feel like no one wants to hear it. I mean, even Jet fans don't want to hear it. I mean, yesterday we're, sh- we're talking Chicago Bears with uh, Clay, Clay Harvey. Harvey. Think yeah. anybody wants to hear that? That's fair. 
<laughs> That's fair. And, and and by the way, I think we probably have more Jets fans or New York transplants down here, which we have a lot. We have fans of every team. That's down yeah, here. There are a lot of. It's a very transient market. You're right about that. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, your Jets got a big win. Are they as geeked up? Are you as geeked up about the Jags and what they potentially have? Well, I think the, are Jags, the Jets in the same boat. No, <laughs> not even close. No, I think the Jets look way worse than the Jaguars do thus far. But most of that is because you have a senior citizen playing quarterback right now. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, we know Flacco's there. But say in two weeks, maybe it might be two more games. So let's go three weeks that uh, Zach Wilson yeah. gets in there, and the Jets are. Even if they're one and three, I don't even know who they play these next couple of days. But uh, a couple games. It's a rough first six games, but then it opens up a little bit. All right. So then, once Zach Wilson gets back, or are you going to have to give him a couple of weeks and see if he's any good? You kind of have to, right? And then, by the way, it's not just a couple of. I mean, like we still don't know if he's actually good, much less good from the injury. So I oh, think that's true. I think it's a larger swath of time you may need to give the guy. But uh, obviously, they've got uh, the Bengals this weekend. The Steelers after that, the Dolphins, who look like world beaters right now, much to my dismay. Packers, Broncos, we could beat the Patriots maybe, but then back to the Bills. I mean, it's a tough schedule. Well, here's the deal. Uh, we talk about these quarterbacks so much, and I'm kind of wondering where we're at with the quarterbacks from a couple of years ago. Because Trevor Lawrence coming off a really good performance, arguably one of his best. I, I still think that Indianapolis game showed so much, too, last year. Uh, but... He can't play the Indianapolis Colts every week, and so he's going to have to do well against somebody else. What a great career but, he'd have if he did. <laughs> and so would a Fred Taylor back in the day, yeah. and Bruce Jones-Drew, and a lot of people around here. But where do we stand on these quarterbacks, guys? I mean, they're always going to be paralleled and measured, and I was bullish on them, but now I'm, I feel like I'm seeing a big-time incomplete. Oh, yeah. Chicago stinks. Yeah, uh, They're not doing enough around him, and Clay was really down on Justin Fields. A lot of people are, yeah. Way more than me. Trey Lance is now done for the year, yep. so that's going to be a big-time incomplete. He's going to get to year three of his career. We have no clue no idea. about Trey Lance. Zach Wilson, uh, Who knows? mostly down, a little bit of up, some moments last year, but then you know, his best thing so far is his off-season uh, story, and, you know, and, and, and hide your moms. Look out. Up. Yeah. Hide, your moms. hide your moms. Hide your moms. That's right. Hide your moms. Hide like, your moms. that's his moment so far in the NFL is really hide your moms. Yeah. No one will beat it. <laughs> and and Mac Jones, Mac Jones guy's terrific last year, but I don't feel like anybody's talking about Mac Jones. Well, the Patriots have so much hate getting flung at him right now because people think they're in, like, total disarray. So you're looking at Mac Jones going, sorry, bud. Mac is out. solid, though. So is that where he's at, Casey? Oh yeah, Max solid. Like I mean, he's not. He doesn't. He doesn't have what Trevor has in terms of like the. I, and I'll just say the it factor. But Mac can win you games, and honestly, you're probably not going to lose because of Mac. Now your ceiling is what it is. I think we all knew that. But if you put the guys around him and can protect him, he's going to cook a little bit. Yeah, and, and he knows how to win and manage. There are a lot of good, like, leadership stuff. I, I tend to agree with you. I just don't think they're really that good. I don't know if they're set up. I mean, right now, Trevor Lawrence is set up better than any of them. Is that true? That's got to be at this point. You know, you look at the Patriots and forget about the roster. Just Even from a coaching standpoint, you're not really arming Mac Jones with the tools for success. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I just think if they would have 
gave him some any kind of help, like literally any kind of help, I would feel better about it. I I think he's still going to be good. But, yeah, they the Jags definitely did the most around Trevor outside of what San Francisco already had around Trey Lance, but that's now Now, out the window. Now, don't be fooled. The Jets did a ton around Zach Wilson. The question is, will it matter? We don't know that yet. We know that it mattered to Trevor. We see it already. But at least the Jags got established guys versus the Jets, you know, was a lot of draft capital. That's true. That's true. And the best thing the Jags did around Trevor is probably Doug Peterson. I mean, we're seeing the early dividends of that already Yeah. Um, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you don't, I mean, the coaching going on there versus what happened last year has got to be just incredible, right? Uh, what a difference it probably is. So I guess what I'm getting at, guys, is if you look into a little bit of a crystal ball throughout this year, and I'm not going to get on this crazy train of the Jags. Oh, they're going to win the AFC South. Let's not anticipate that. I mean, who knows what will happen now? The South looks terrible. But let's, let's talk about that again in like three weeks and see where everybody's at. But if Trevor shows some signs like this, he has more games like last week. Uh, he might mix in a few not-so-great ones as well. And Matt's kind of in neutral because of the way they are. And Trey can't do anything. And Justin Fields is maybe going backwards a little bit. And Zach Wilson's a little bit of a mystery. I guess what I'm getting at here, and, and I'm not including Davis Mills in this conversation, that Trevor could really take a step up in class above the rest of them this season. Like, this is year two bump is a big deal. But this might separate him from the pack a little bit as we compare and parallel the careers two years in. You could look up in December, January, at the end of the season and say, wow, Trevor is the guy out of this class. And and if that's the kind of conversation going on, I never think that's a bad thing. You know, I'll go a step further than that. You look at all these quarterbacks we just mentioned, Fields, Trey Lance, Trevor, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and you say, had you asked at the draft – in the beginning of 2022, which quarterback would be set up best and which quarterbacks would be set up worst? You would have to put Trevor towards the bottom back when he was drafted, knowing what was on the roster. Now you look at it, it's got complete 360 or 180 for them. Well, for the I will say this. And, 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 <laughs> yeah, 180s, right? But uh, I, it, it's interesting you say that because I think we were bullish on what Urban could be back at that time. The roster didn't ET- have it, though. Well, but ETN, before he got hurt, right? He yep. was a guy that, okay, they're putting him around him. DJ Chark was still healthy and on the roster at that time. They went out and got Marvin Jones. So I don't want to say it, it was empty, but now that you look back on it, DJ Chark gets hurt, ETN never plays a snap, and Urban Meyer was a disaster. I mean, just an absolute mess. And the more people you talk to in that building say, not everybody comes out the other side of a situation like that. You know, and Trevor did, and Trevor has so far. I mean, he looks like he can still go and and advance in his career, while a lot of other folks might have been stuck and might have been, oh, no, and ruined, quite frankly, given the situation. Like, it was that bad. Yeah. So I think, and then we don't see, there's one other part of this that I continue to say, and I think we still have to keep in mind, and we might more keep this in mind when he plays poorly or not good enough for everybody than we do when he comes off a game of last week but he is in year one of a new system for the third straight year and i still think that matters and i think there'll be growing pains because of that but i think the coaching he's getting i think being in this system we think and we hopefully know that this coaching staff's going to be here next year as well so what now you look down the line and you hopefully get growth there in season two in 2022 and maybe leap ahead of everybody else in that QB class. But then next year, he even takes off more because he's got the continuity, the familiarity, the understanding of 
well, what a lot of other folks have had the luxury of, the Mahomeses, the Burroughs, the Herberts, the, the everyone else. So yeah, that's, that's where I think it starts to get exponential, right? Like if the Bears put in the season we all think they're going to, and then, you know, you're possibly looking at changes, whether it be in the coaching staff, whether it be the offensive coordinator or even the head coach. If the 49ers struggle, I don't know that Shanahan is out. He's well-respected, but changes certainly might get made. Or if the 49ers do well, changes might get made in a way that, you know, Trey Lance isn't necessarily in favor of in regards to Jimmy G. Mac Jones is certainly looking at changes on that front office after this season. I would assume they got to get coaches on that team after this year, right? So, like, you yeah. talk about continuity, and here comes Trevor into year three with the or year two at least with the Peterson regime, but taking a third step forward while you have all these other coaches who are gone, front offices changed, and these quarterbacks having to start over from zero again. Kate, let me ask you guys this, and both jump in. Casey, I'll start with you. Will his biggest step, in your opinion, come this year or next year as a quarterback in the NFL? Uh, I would say this year. Like, I, I understand you're trying to get to the second year in the system. I'm with that. But, I, you know, he's he's obviously a smart guy. He's obviously extremely talented. Peterson's here. He's going to keep beating it home in his head. So, like, I don't think he's going to need a whole other offseason to digest it. I think he can figure it out on the fly. He's a smart enough guy. So, I think by the end of this season, you'll see the big step. And then next year, he'll come out of the gates good. And I think just going from week one this week or this year, week one, to the end of the season this year, I think you'll see the bigger jump. Okay, uh, Aaron? Here's why I'm with Casey, and I'm almost never with Casey. <laughs> Here's why I'm with Casey. Or you're too much with Casey. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, Peterson is the reason why the big step happens this year. Granted, I still think Trevor takes another step forward next year, but Doug Peterson is not putting him in a position to fail. Even in the first game, he wasn't putting him in a position to fail. He's getting Trevor out there, getting him in a rhythm, making sure they're moving the ball down the field. I mean, Trevor's going to get used to that habitually. That big step happens this year, and then next year you just build on the good habits. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with you guys. I'm actually more this next – I think he does grow this year, and I think it's going to feel big because he'll probably win more games. His numbers will look better, and we'll see a lot of growth. And and then I think next year he has a chance to be like, okay – entering elite conversation. I just don't think he's going to this year jump into that kind of conversation um, and because I think he'll still have up and ups and downs. But if you start projecting out next year, just take a – again, I love being able to do this because it's coming off a victory and a good performance. It's really hard to do this when you're, you're coming off a loss or a, an interception at the end of the Washington game and people are like, what happened? Why can't he make the play? Why didn't he really him back? And so it's a little easier to have this conversation right now, if I'm being completely honest. But uh, I think if you look around, I think Marvin Jones is going to be gone. But Christian Kirk's going to be here. Zay Jones is going to be here. Uh I don't know about a guy like Evan Ingram. We'll see because he's on a one-year deal. Their offensive line is going to be collectively back with the exception of maybe Jawan Taylor. Uh, But even then, you have Walker Little, so I think there'll be chemistry there. I think James Robinson's not going anywhere. ETN's not going anywhere. So the familiarity in the coaching staff, but also with his guys on offense, you know, outside of Marvin, who who will be gone. His contract is done, and I don't expect him to be back. And, and then Ingram's interesting. I think if he has a good year, they'll want to keep him. But I don't know if he will. He might get a lot more money on the open market. Who knows? Uh, so I just think it allows you to peek ahead like that and say, wow, this could really – either way, if you guys are right and he takes his big step this year, or if I'm right and I really think he takes a bigger step even in year number three, 
well, it could look really good because of the familiarity, the continuity. And I do think those things are so important. I'm not going to let that go because I think the, the whole league has trends of that. Very few exceptions to that. If you're going to take a leap, you're going to have the continuity on offense, especially in the coaching staff, but probably in your personnel as well. So, And by the way, the same thing could be said maybe for this defensive group for the Jacksonville Jaguars because they're pretty inexperienced. I don't think they're going to lose a bunch. So they got a lot of young guys out there that they have signed and they're under contract for the most part. And so now you add a piece or two, but the core of that group has maybe stayed together for a couple of years. They, too should get a lot better. So, again, I mean, we're already on to 2023 here. We're two weeks into the season. <laughs> but I do think it's a fascinating look at where this thing could go and how much can you take that step forward? How good can you be this year that then makes you propel, boom, into the following? Because if we're building out the Jags map right now and we've got them at 3-14 and 14 going in year one of Trevor, they make a coaching change. Doug Peterson, we all think, hey, if you get to six wins, man, that's pretty good. We'd love you to get to seven. That's how we looked at it at the outset of the season. Now, maybe people have changed that now that they look at the AFC South. But seriously, that's what we're talking about. So that's seven. Well, what do you do in year two? Well, year two, you try to uh, – of Peterson, this would be. So year three of Trevor. Yeah. You try to win the division and make the playoffs. Just make the playoffs. Well, then in year four, you're like, okay, I want to be ready to go try to win that thing. I want to be a, a legit contender in year four. And what I'm saying is if they maybe exceed expectation this year – and you're starting to look at the decline of the division in some parts, and Trevor's taken off, well, next year you might be able to say, eh, forget about just trying to win the AFC South. Let's go make a pretty deep run. Let's be a contender if we add a couple more pieces. And I wonder if they could speed up the process. But this year we'll lay the foundation for how much we think that process could be sped up in terms of the projection of where this Jacksonville Jaguars uh, franchise is going. And a lot of that, of course, will hit John. Trevor Lawrence. I like you your, guys, I was going to oh, say, go I, I like your roadmap. It's realistic, right? Like, you could see it happening the way you laid it out. But, Brent, what happens, not to feed the beast, but what happens if they win the AFC South this year? What, what does that do to your roadmap? And that's, that's kind of where I was at with that. Like, again, I'm not going, like, to that point, but kid's a winner. He, like, you start winning games, he's going to just go right back into that mode. He's like, oh, okay, I'll just dominate. And if there was a conference where something unexpected like that could happen, a uh, worst-to-first story, so to speak, like, it would be this one. Well, and I guess that's my point, guys. If they were to win, let's just say they win nine, they go nine and eight, they win the AFC South. Again, we are totally just, like, pie in the sky. Sure, here, okay? sure, why not? Uh, I, I'm just not willing to go there two weeks <laughs> into the season. But if, if they were nine and eight, which is very average football team, but in a bad division, they win the division, they go to the playoffs. If they were to add a piece or two or three to what they already have, given my continuity conversation moments ago, well then, yeah, that's where I think it really speeds up, where in year three of Trevor, we would have said, hey, just make the playoffs. Well, now you're like, hey, let's go win a game or two and see if we got some magic here. And, and so now you become, I mean, you win a game or two in the playoffs, you consider yourself a contender, Yeah. right? But no, regardless of what happens this year, if they were to win the AFC South, go to the playoffs, I don't think we're starting 2023 with people naming the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Jaguars as Super Bowl favorite contenders. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I still think the roadmap speeds. Like, you go faster on that road, but I'm not sure you really get to the destination that much quicker. You know what I mean? It does. It makes sense. It makes sense. I'm just, I'm sitting here looking at this defense going, if this defense is just getting started, right? If we're talking about a squad 
that can be a top 10, top 7, top 5 defense when they get all things clicking. Maybe not for the whole season this year, but certainly by the end of the year when they're all playing together really well. And then you got an offense that's looking like the way it's already looking. You may not need to make a ton of moves to jump into the contender conversation if people all develop positively. Now, it never happens that way, right? Like, it never all goes according to plan. Either someone gets hurt, someone underperforms, someone doesn't develop. But, you know, if we're talking pie in the sky, I mean, these are all possibilities for this team. It's an open world right now. The world is the Jaguars' oyster today. Yeah, I mean, listen, it could be. We'll see. Uh, it, it could be fun to unveil. It could be faster than we think. When has that ever happened in Jacksonville? <laughs> Something goes faster. Wow. From construction to anything else. <laughs> it ain't going to be wasn't. construction. When I got here to Jacksonville, when I went on my tour of UNF, yep. 295 was on construction. They just finished last year, and I've been graduated for like a year and a half. It took them like six years. Bums. Thank you, though, for your, for your help. I appreciate it. Hey, guys, you're going to love this, right? I'm looking at the feed like on, on Twitter, and I'm like, why do I have picture in picture in my video? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no, that's the TV behind me. That's the one that's you were right. talking about. Yeah, yeah, we're keeping an eye on the game. We're watching. <laughs> Trying to figure if we can get some odds everything. on. Uh, I'm, I'm reliving the glory day. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> the glory day. The glory day. <laughs> we'll be back. Fred and friends on ESPN 69, live from Spring Sports Brewery here in Springfield. big on, you know, Kenny Pickett being the guy to start the year. And a lot of people say maybe he's not ready, but when you play as long as you have played in college and you're you're a veteran in, in those sense, you're not the normal rookie. And then he also showed us, granted it was preseason, but that's the sample size that we had. And I'm pretty sure that uh, some of the guys in that locker room will feel the same way about Kenny Pickett. He he can be the spark that they need because from Trubisky, I just don't see it. And I don't I don't think it's going to happen the rest of the year either with, with Trubisky in the quarterback position. Is that Ryan Clark? Harry Douglas. Oh. Close enough. Close enough. Harry Douglas, tough to get. It's funny they're talking about Trubisky because we're about to talk about him a little bit. Brenton Friends, ESPN 690. I'm Aaron Schachter, along with Brent Martineau, on location at Strings, having a time. Casey Kurtz, behind the glass. Guys, I got a game I want to play with you guys. It's one that maybe you played coming up through high school or college. It's, uh, it's a fun little one. I like to call two, two truths and a lie. It's like an icebreaker. A little bit. You guys know how to play this one? I'm going to yeah. give you uh, three different things, and you're going to tell me which ones are the truths and which one is the lie. All right. All right. You guys set up for this? I can do that. I'm ready. All right. Here we go. First, we'll start with tonight's game, Thursday night football. Here are your three things about tonight's game. You got to tell me which two are the truth and which one is the lie. Number one, if the Browns run the ball 30 total times or more, they will win. Number two, the Steelers have the most underrated pass catching group in the league. And number three... Mitch Trubisky is, in fact, a bottom five QB in the NFL. Well, we know which one the lie is. Which is the lie, Casey? <laughs> Do you want to go first, Brent? No, go ahead. Uh, the lie would be Trubisky. So you don't think he's a bottom five quarterback in the league? I do not. Because right now he's playing like it. He is. But what do you think is the problem? Yeah, unconfirmed at this point. I'm going to go offensive line. You know, we talked about it with Trevor. You give him some time, dude can feast because I... 
agree, or I think one of your truths is the wide receiver course good, but they're not talked about enough. Underrated. Underrated, that's the word. I'm with you on that, man. Talk about a good pass-catching group between Claypool and Johnson and now Pickens, who, by the way, can't sniff a target. Yeah, I'm with you. Give him more time to throw, and he'll get the targets. You know, don't put it on the quarterback, Aaron. If they only had a quarterback. If they only had a guy, who would <laughs> throw, throw they, to, to Pickens? If they only had an offensive line, I agree with you guys. I'm with you loud and clear. If they only had somebody that could keep this man clean. Brett, which one do you think is the lie? You got the Browns running 30 times. They're going to win. Steelers have the most underrated pass-catching group in the league. And Mitch Trubisky, bottom five QB in the NFL. Yeah, I think uh, the most underrated pass-catching trio in the league is the uh, lie. Uh, because I do think Trubisky is not very good. I think they do need to run the ball and help out Jacoby Brissett. And I think you might be able to make the case that the Jaguars have the most underrated pass-catching unit in the NFL. Oh, okay. Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk, what they're doing so far. Listen, I like what you're saying about Pickens, and I know he splashed in August, but he ain't done anything. Like, he ain't done anything. This he has had the opportunity, the yeah. That's all right, but he hasn't. So, I mean, I, I, if you want to go down the stat sheet, go find him, but the Jaguars have performed nicely with their receiving core, and many of them, in the first uh, couple weeks. So, I would say, so far... They're more underrated than even the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think at times even a guy like Claypool can be overrated. Really? I like Claypool. I think he's underrated in this league by a lot of people. I think people ignore Claypool because you have Deontay Johnson on that team. That's yeah, who's really Johnson's underrated. Very good. They don't bring Johnson's him. very underrated. His name does not come up enough with, like, the big-time receivers because he is one. But when you talk Pittsburgh Steelers, you're, you're not talking Claypool. You're talking Johnson. Yeah, but, like, agreed. Like, when you think of this, yes, I'll give you that. But, like, when you think of top receivers in the league, his name never gets brought up, and I think he's really good. Yeah. Well, the Trubisky thing is something I, I want to hang on for a second because even though he's a bottom five ranked quarterback right now, mm-hmm. it's hard to believe just because his numbers aren't exactly atrocious. You know, it's not seven completions, Justin Fields bad out there for Mitch Trubisky. He's 42 of 71. He's only completing about 60% of his passes, but... You know, two touchdowns, one interception. It's not like he's losing games for the team. No, I mean, he'd complete more than whatever percent 60, I think is what you just said. He'd complete at least 65 if they had an offensive line that was worth anything. I mean, I don't have the hurries in front of me or the knockdowns. No, but he's trust only, me, it's bad. He's only been sacked four times. Yeah, it's bad, though. He's he's really saving them from a lot of sacks. Trust me. I watched the The Steelers are not that great, right? But they're one and one right now, and I think they're going to play close games all throughout. Now, usually Mike Tomlin's error, they've been very good. They find ways to win, and, and heck of a job to him. He's amazing. But... If they go to one and two here, Casey, they lose to Cleveland, and then you I don't know what they have next, but, you know, this thing that'll look too good, we're going to be talking about Pickett a lot more over the next couple of weeks. They're not going to lose. And, and that's going to speed up. Don't but, worry. They're now, not going to lose to Cleveland. No, well, you don't know that, but what, why do you think Pickett's conversation picks up more if they lose? Pickett, I mean, not Pickett. Oh, Pickett. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me. So how long do you think the leash is for Trubisky? Let's say things go poorly. That's what, that's what we're saying. So here, I'm going to give you the, uh, the Steelers' schedule. Now, all right. They got the Browns. It's on the road. Again, I think Cleveland. Cleveland, by the way, is a four-point favorite in this game. I, I kind of like Cleveland tonight. It'll be a little I like Cleveland for, tonight, too. Later tonight. Uh, Jets are next, though, okay? So, easy. Uh, again, <laughs> it's not easy. Line. I mean, I don't think that's easy. I think that's a chance for the Jets, but <laughs> probably man. not, right? Steelers probably win. Most people Steelers would predict them. Sure. And, uh, the Bills will the put Steelers, up 40 on them. Okay, Yeah, then they go to the Bills, and then the Bucks, and then the Dolphins, and then the Eagles, and then the Saints, and then the Bengals. Okay, 
it might take all the way until November to get another win. Or the end of November. But now, here's the deal. Do you want ticket playing right. against those kind of teams, right, Casey? You're going to bring that up. I right was going to bring that out. You're, you're not going to you're not going to put the rookie quarterback in against those teams. You're going to let especially if your just offensive do his thing. line. Yeah, if your offensive line isn't playing well. Yeah, he'll play his way out of it. Trust Trubisky, me. yeah. Trubisky, he's, he's not going to play his way out of it. They're <laughs> yeah, going to have to help him. him. Oh, he'll yeah, turn no, into an old pro out of nowhere. He played his way out. Hey, here's what he played his way out of, Chicago. And here's <laughs> and Buffalo. Well, actually, he didn't he get did. to play his way out of he, Buffalo. He yeah. did. And here's the thing. Uh, you know, we want to get after Trubisky fair enough. You know, the stats are right. You know what helps the quarterback? Running the ball. Yeah. Where is Najee Harris? Yeah. Run the point. football. Good point. Goodness. Watch, he'll start cooking when they let Najee Harris run it. Then everyone's going to be open. Things are going to be incredible. We're going to come November. You guys are going to be like, you know, you were right about Mitch Trubisky. I'm going to be like, I know. <laughs> it's things that you will Things that you will not hear in December on this show. <laughs> you were right November. about Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, sorry. You were right Definitely about not Mitch December Trubisky. and probably not November. Yeah, baby. <laughs> run the football, Steelers. Uh, let Trubisky cook. I just think it's, like, fascinating that a few days ago, everyone was ready to name the the Browns as, like, a dead team. Losing to the Jets like that, this team is putrid. They got the the alleged accused sexual assaulter uh, waiting in the wings. But suddenly, if they win this game against the Steelers and the Ravens happen to lose to the Dolphins, which is well within the realm of possibility, not the Ravens, I forget who's playing the Dolphins. Ravens played them last weekend. Whoever the Ravens are playing this weekend, if they lose, they're one and two. Cleveland is lone in first place at two and one in that scenario. And then suddenly, you know, who knows how this thing goes for them? Huh. Yeah, it, it, I think they could be in trouble. That's what I'm saying right now. I mean, they could, their schedule, the way it goes. And, and listen, we predicted this, though, right? The Steelers aren't supposed to be any great shakes this year. But then they go and they win that opener. And you're like, okay, now they got the Patriots who are whatever. And that was kind of a whatever game. Uh, so now it will hinge. I mean, if they lose to the Browns and Brissett, you're going to be like, yeah, Steelers aren't very good. And look up, and you got the next six games after the Jets against, like, some really good competition. Uh, I think the Steelers could be in trouble for sure. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And my bets reflects so on the degenerate gambling board. We can move <laughs> on, though. How about the FSU edition of Two Truths and a Lie, kids? Here we go. Number one. Without Jordan Travis, FSU still wins this weekend. Now, I don't think we have definitive uh, information on Jordan Travis. He was on the practice field yesterday, so that was yeah, a good sign. that's a good sign. But just in case, if he would not play, FSU would still win this weekend. That's number one. Number two, the FSU running backs will combine for more than 250 yards this weekend. And number three, with a big win, not just like one of these regular last-second wins, with a big win against Boston College, FSU can vault into the top 25 after the weekend. What are the two truths? What is the lie? Brent Martineau. Oof. Give me the second one again. FSU running backs will combine for more than 250 yards this weekend. Without oh, Jordan Travis, FSU will still win. And with a big yeah. win, FSU could jump into the top 25. Yeah, because I think you're right about the last one for sure. That's 100% uh, getting off to a 4-0 start and shed up, set up a showdown uh, with Wake Forest, potentially, depending on how they do against Clemson. And I think they can win without Jordan Travis after what we saw because Boston College isn't good. Um, and, and they have some confidence. In in uh, and rightfully so, Rodemaker. Yeah, and so I think they can win. I'd rather see Travis out there if I was an FSU fan. And two fifty is a little bit much for me. So and, and keep in mind, Boston College. I always say this: they play a physical. They're going to play physical. They're going to play tough. They're going to compete. And so they'll. Sl- this will be a scary game still. I think in a weird way for Florida State, <laughs> and maybe mostly because if they don't have Jordan Travis playing, right? So. Um, 
Yeah, it's definitely got to be the 250 yards for me. Case. No, Brent's wrong on that one. Uh, the running backs will get the yards. They, they'll they be fine if Rodemaker plays. The problem is I don't think they're going to get into the top 25 because they're, they're mad reckless with these rankings. you got some ranked teams <laughs> playing each other. So, like, they're putting teams in that have no business being in. Florida State's a team that has business being in, but they won't get put in because, yeah, 4-0 is 4-0, don't get me wrong, but the teams you've beaten so far have been underwhelming to what we thought they were going to be. They'll find a way to put in North Southeast State University the second in and not Florida State. But once they get these games with Clemson and Wake, let them perform in those and then they will get in. But the running backs are definitely going for 250 and they have some faith in Tate Rodemaker without Jordan Travis. Yeah, Boston College not necessarily elite on that run defense. You had uh, FSU go for 406 against Duquesne. You had uh, a buck 32 against LSU. You had 189 against Louisville. I think they could put up some big numbers against Boston they College. They 250 is a bit heavy, but these are good running backs now on this team. Hey, guys, I will say this. Let me ask you this question about Florida State. Don't you, What you know, what you see, who knows how this game is going to play out? Let's just assume they win. Do you think Florida State, in your mind, is a top 25 team? I'm not saying worthy of being. Are they one of the top 25 college football teams in America? I need to see one more big win. I, like I, they can't go in. They can't go into another game and then win it at the end, or like barely hold on to it throughout the game. If they dominate this weekend, I think they've earned it. Yeah, Casey, they are undoubtedly a top twenty-five team for me. Okay, so they are better it, than the Florida Gators, who are ranked at twenty. This is my point of this. This is not a knock on Florida State. I just think right now, Casey, if you took the back half of that AP poll, fifteen to twenty-five, I don't think the teams are very good. And so, sure. Are they worthy of being in at a 4-0 start? I would say absolutely. But the problem right now, I think, in college football this year is there are not a lot of good teams. And really the drop-off feels pretty significant. I would always say every year it's like 8 to 10 teams that you really think could even, you could make a case for to win a championship. And really there are three or four that are most likely going to win a championship. Well, let's just say there's however many of them. The distinction between that group and the rest might be like the Grand Canyon, you know? I, I just think when you're 22nd in the country right now, you're probably still not very good. Uh, you would get absolutely pasted by a top 25 team probably. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think that. I don't know. Well, you know what? We're going to find out a little bit. Wake Forest is playing Clemson. And I don't even – I mean, Clemson's ranked fifth in the country, guys. They're not that good. They're not. I mean, <laughs> they shouldn't be, right? But yeah. maybe that that adds to my point and my argument is there might not even be five teams good enough in America. Well, Brent, your previous point about 15 down to 25, you know, you're talking about teams like Ole Miss, Baylor, Washington, BYU. We've kind of seen them already. Florida, Wake Forest, Texas, A&M, Pittsburgh, and Miami. But Florida State just missed the top 25 last week. Yeah, they were 38 points out. Yeah. Yeah, Michigan yeah, and, State is in front of them, then Florida State. You really only need like two or three big losses from ranked teams this week and a big Florida State win, and, and you're looking good. Yeah, they're going to make it, and they would be worthy in this uh, year of college football to be in. But what I'm telling you is Texas A&M shouldn't be close to that top 25 Agreed. after losing to App State at home. App yeah. State's almost in that top 25 now, too, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah, and, but they just shouldn't be. Yeah. You know, I mean, not, not App State. App State has more of a right to be in there, in my opinion, than even a team like Texas A&M, who, who still didn't look all that impressive against Miami. Yeah. Which, by the way, they're in as well. 
at 25. And Miami's in. So, uh, again, I'm not knocking each individual school. Well, maybe Texas A&M I just did. That sounds like uh, you pretty much besmirched Miami. Where's the U.S.? No, no, what I'm saying is there are a lot of bad teams in America. There's a lot of bad – there are more bad college football teams in America this year than I can remember in some time. It's true. And, and and the fact that Florida went, I said this a couple weeks ago, went all the way up to 12. And quite honestly, the fact that Florida, the Florida team we just watched for two weeks, is still in it. Yep. They're still in it. Told you, bro. I mean, Mad reckless. <laughs> <laughs> these boys I mean, down here with it, no disregard for these teams. We're just it, like, it sure. is. You see FSCJ ranked 18 after the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> They're launching a football program in 2030. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we take a break. We're at String Sports Brewery on uh, Brett and Friends on ESPN at 690. Uh, come back. Uh, Judge didn't get the home run. Great. You know what, guys? That means he's going to do it against the Red Sox. <laughs> awesome. Nice. Four games set against the Red Poetic. Sox. I do have a question about Judge. Uh, we kind of talked about a lot of it yesterday and, you know, is it going to happen all this stuff. How many does he end up with? He's still got 14 games to go. Yep. He's got 60 homers. I don't feel like there's this crazy pressure around him. How is that? Or am I reading it wrong? Let's talk about it when we come back on ESPN 690. It's a doubleheader of ACC College Football Saturday on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio, ESPN 690. Catch Clemson at Wake Forest Saturday afternoon. Pre-game at 11.30, kickoff at noon. Then the undefeated Florida State Seminoles return home to face Boston College. The Florida State Tailgate Show starts at 5.30. Then Jeff Colhane, William Floyd, and Tom Block have the call of Knowles Eagles. Kickoff at 8 o'clock Saturday night on ESPN 690. It's the Blitz Scoreboard Show every Friday night at 9 p.m. on ESPN 690. Join Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, and the Hall of Famer Kevin Sullivan for scores, analysis, interviews, and live video of games on the ESPN 690 social media platforms. We got our game of the week, by the way, for the Blitz. Tomorrow, Trinity Christian hosts Columbia. So looking forward to that. We'll have a bunch of coverage. Don't forget to check out all our coverage on our YouTube channel. Anything we do, TV, radio-wise, and we have our Committed to the Uncommitted presented by Nimnick, Buick, GMC, and Baker Sports up there as well. Uh, and we'll have a new one tomorrow on the Blitz Scoreboard Show. Brent Martineau, Aaron Schachter, Casey Kurtz. We call this Brent and Friends. We're live at String Sports Brewery. In Springfield, let's bring in Steven. He's been hanging on the phone. Let's talk a little bit about the Chargers and the Jags coming up on Sunday. What's happening, man? Hey, not too much. How about you guys today? Fantastic. Hey, buddy. All right. Uh, my, my main question is, how do you – because you guys were talking about defense, and this defense, I'm just getting screams of 2017. I'm not going to go as far to say completely there, but I'm just getting the feeling of it. I mean, six six turnovers already – five sacks, but my main thing for this Sunday is we're going in, mind you, I have a feeling Herbert will play, but not sure about everybody else, right tackle's down right now, the center's down, the only real stud you got on that line is Rayshon Slater, mm-hmm. do you think we should, they should just send the field at Herbert, make him uncomfortable, that injury I've had before, it, it is really painful, and I mean, with Devin Lloyd, just give him the sole responsibility of, hey, you keep your eyes on Eckler at all times. 
Tyson, if Keenan Allen's out, you guard Mike Williams. He can't burn you, but you're as big as he is. And just kind of stay with him most of the game. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate the call. Uh, yeah, I think the injuries could give you opportunities. But let me say this about the Mike Caldwell defense, and I don't know if Aaron and Casey agree with me, but this is not going to be very often a just lay back and wait defense. I think this is going to be an aggressive defense. I don't care who the quarterback is. Like, that's a little bit the style of it. Now, they're not going to blitz on every down, but I think they're going to bring pressure at times and run the games and try to get, you know, they're going to mix it up, and I think that's what this defense offers you, and that's what the personnel they went out and got gives you. And so I, I don't expect them to just sit back and wait for, you know, a drop eight or something like that with, with Herbert and saying, okay, you can live back there, which is what some teams do against the Chiefs and Mahomes. Just say, okay, sooner or later you're going to throw it because your mental clock, and, and that's worked well against Mahomes. But I think uh, I think they'll go after him as much as possible. And, and Stephen's point is, do the injuries allow you to do it even more? And I would say, yeah, probably so. I think the bigger factor in all that is Keenan Allen, guys. If he's not in there... Well, then you don't have to worry about two guys. Now you're worried about Mike Williams, which means you can shade that side a little bit if you want to. Uh, so getting it deep into the X's and O's. But I would say the injury on the outside probably is more impactful to what Mike Caldwell might do and how much they go after Herbert. Uh, then maybe even the offensive line. I would just imagine with Herbert and the situation he's in with the rib cartilage issue, the fact that Keenan uh, will probably not be playing and the fact that, you know, the Jags are really starting to come into their own when it comes to this defensive front. I would just think they would ratchet up the pressure on this kid all day. Now, Herbert's the kind of guy to make you pay for something like that. But, I mean, how how interesting would it be if the Jags can get in this guy's jersey all day and really make him uncomfortable? What did they have in the opener, guy? What did they have? Three sacks in the opener? Was that right? I think it was three. Let's go look that up. Um, they had five last time. So if, let's just say they got seven or eight sacks. They have six turnovers. I mean, they're getting home. They're getting hits. Like, they are going to get back there and hit Herbert a little bit. And, like, don't you think as the linebackers get more acclimated to each other? Because there are a ton of new guys in that group, too, whether it's, you know, Foye, whether it's Devin, whether it's Muma. Like, once those guys start to really get that chemistry going, don't you think it makes it easier on that defensive front to continue to bring even more pressure? Oh, absolutely. But it's really, the, I mean, the secondary doing their job, which they did a better job of. Uh, but listen, Michael, I think Everett's a dangerous guy here, and so those linebackers could come into play, and Lloyd can handle that, and the Lewican, they think, can handle that. Like, these guys can handle it. But I think that's a matchup to watch. Eckler, of course, he's off to a slow start. Mike Williams is going to get his, you kind of figure. Uh, but... I think that Everett one is really interesting. I like what Steven said, and this is going way overboard, but are they on their way to being Saxonville-esque? When you force six turnovers and what we're talking about, seven or eight sacks, and you pitch a shutout in two weeks, I mean, could we look up halfway through the year and they've got similar numbers to that 17 defense? I really think we will. Yeah, because you got guys that can rush from every spot. Like yep. uh, in 17, you had Jan and Josh. And then you had, um, or you had Jan and Calais, I should say. And then you had guys that you could rush on the inside as well. You had the, the linebackers playing their part. So, yeah, and you have that again this year with the inside rush as well. But you cannot put those kind of numbers up without talent. That 17 defense had a ton of talent. And if this team continues this trend, at least one thing sticks out. They got some talent.
on that side of the ball. That's Let's true. talk more Jags, Chargers. Jordan DeLugo joins us. Coming up next, Brent and Friends on ESPN 690. We're live at Springfield, String Sports Brewery. We have Jaguars All Access tonight, 7 o'clock on CBS 47. Rayshon Jenkins, Josh Allen will be here.